All right, Mark chapter 12, verse 35 is where we're at. And here, Jesus turns the tables on the priests, scribes, and Pharisees who had been confronting him with questions, try to catch him in saying something that they could use against him. And he turns it on them, and now Jesus asks them a question and uh, shows his wisdom and his power and authority, and they couldn't answer him. But in this question, Jesus makes a, a great declaration and presentation of who he is and of his authority as the king over everything, over the universe, over the earth, over all lives. Jesus is the king, and he brings that out here. So let's look at the, what he says, verse 35. Then Jesus answered and said while he taught in the temple, How is it that the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? For David himself said by the Holy Spirit, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore David himself calls him Lord. How is thee, then, he then his son? And the common people heard him gladly. And so uh, Jesus question is that if the Christ is the son of David, and they all knew that and accepted that, acknowledged that, that the Christ would come after David, would be a descendant after him. Therefore, he was bringing out the important element in life that is, comes out of the Bible, is that the younger generation should show respect to the older generation. That a a descendant of somebody shows respect and honor to an ancestor, especially a noteworthy ancestor like David. So he says, so if Christ is the son of David and he comes after him, then why then does David, and he quotes from Psalm 110, he says, why does David call then the Christ the Lord? His Lord. Because ordinarily it'd be the other way around, is that the later descendant would look at David and give him the, the, the uh, uh, title of respect of calling him with the title of Lord, especially as he was the uh, great king of Israel that God used. So that's his question. Now, before we get into the answer, I want to back up and Set the context. Let's get, a, let's get the context of this that comes from the end of his last encounter in the previous verses with his last statements to the scribe that he's answering, who had answered wisely about the law, that it was about loving God with all your heart and all your soul and loving your neighbor as yourself, and that that was more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And look at verse 34, that when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. So Jesus brings up the kingdom here. And that's the big picture. The kingdom of God is the greatest reality in life. And that is the great reality over all of life. Is that God has made everything. Everything exists because God made it. It belongs to Him. 
Uh, he spoke it into existence, all of the vast universe with all the planets and stars and all the galaxies that are so big and numerous, we can't even count them all. And then the earth and all the life on the earth all came from God. It belongs to Him. It's His kingdom. It's what He rules over. And yet God in that kingdom, He is a loving King, a loving Heavenly Father who made us with the ability to make choices, with the freedom of choice, and the, His creation, particularly the human beings, rejected Him, rejected Him as King, rejected His authority, and disobeyed Him, and that God is carrying out a process now of bringing us back into His kingdom where we submit to Him. And that is really what salvation is about is we come back to God and say, God, I have sinned against you. I've rebelled against you. And that was foolish because you made me. You made everything. Everything belongs to you. And it is a huge mistake to sin against you, to disobey you because you're God. And salvation is coming to God and say, God, I admit I have messed up. I've gone the wrong way. I am doing what's wrong. I have sinned and I repent, though. I want to Repent of that. I want to change my direction. I want to come back to you and ask you to forgive me. And God receives us with open arms through the blood of Jesus to say, yes, come back into my kingdom. I will forgive your sins because I sent my son to die for you. And, my, and the Jesus paid for all your sins. And I can forgive you based on his sacrifice. And you can come into my kingdom and serve me. That's what salvation is. But notice, notice his wording here to the scribe. He says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. The scribe was not in the kingdom yet, but he was close. He knew the commandments and he knew that was the greatest, you know, to love God with all your heart and love your neighbors yourself. And he knew that, uh, that that was the most important thing. And the one last thing he needed where he was not far from it, he was close, but he wasn't there yet, he needed to take the step to confess his own sinfulness, his own shortcoming, his own failure, and to believe on the Christ to save him. That's what he still needed to do. And probably he did that. Probably getting this close, he probably did that. He became a believer. But he needed to do that one last step, and then he would be in the kingdom of God the kingdom that Christ rules over. And here's the big element of the kingdom, is that God's the king, He's in charge, but we are separated from Him because of our sin, and so in His wisdom, His plan was to send Jesus here to the earth to become a man, to be on our level, so that He could bring us into the kingdom. And Jesus, the Messiah, is the way that God brings the kingdom into His earth, into our lives, so that we can be a part of it. And so the Christ had to become a human being, fully a human being, while at the same time being fully God still. And that is what we have in Jesus, and that's what He presents here. So let's look at those two. He presents the first when he says, how is it that the scribes say that Christ is the son of David? And so he acknowledges that the Christ was the son of David. And this was 
prophesied in the Old Testament. David was told, 1 Samuel 7 is one of the places where it's presented a great text of Scripture where David is given the promise that one of your sons are going to sit on, my thr- on the throne of David forever. And, and so he says it was going to be one of his sons, a human son, that would come later. And that is who Jesus was. That is what he was doing when he was born of Mary. Uh, he was born as a human being of the house of David. Both of them, Joseph and Mary, were descendants of David. Of course, many different branches of that tree came to them. And so on his mother's side, Mary, she was a descendant of David. And uh, Joseph was a descendant of David also. And so he received being, in a sense, technically the adopted son of Joseph. He received the rightful, he was a rightful heir to be the king of Israel. The king of Israel, the descendants of David, were all human beings. And so the Old Testament uh, clearly proclaims that the Messiah would be a human being and be the king of Israel. The Jews uh, understood that and they accepted that, and, but that's all they looked for. They, they thought, we're going to have a human king come eventually and he's going to be the king of Israel forever and he's going to uh, defeat all of our enemies and that was their concept of the Messiah. That was their only concept, that he would be a human being, an earthly ruler, which he was. Jesus is here proclaiming and acknowledging he's a human being, which is kind of obvious. He's standing right in front of them. It's obvious he was a human being. He was breathing. He was a real person. He came and was a human being, fully human. But in the line of David as the rightful king of Israel, that's significant because he is the rightful king of Israel and has the promise that he will be that forever. Not only the promise, but the fact that he is still alive means he is still the rightful king of Israel. When did a king stop being a king in the Old Testament? When he died. He would be king as long as he was alive. Jesus, Hebrews brings this out, that because Jesus was resurrected and is alive today, is alive forever, He is eternally the high priest over God's house, and He's also eternally the King over Israel forever because He's still alive. And He'll never die, and that's how He's the eternal King. And that's what Jesus is. He is fully human. He is alive today at the right hand of God. Psalm 110 speaks of that where he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. That's where Jesus is today. He's at the right hand of the throne of God as the Son of God. And he's the rightful king over Israel. And Israel is promised to be given authority over all of the nations in the end. And so in that way, he'll be king over all the earth and is king over all the earth. He is a human king over human beings on the earth, the nations of the earth. That is who Jesus is. I failed to mention earlier, I meant to mention it, we had so much to talk about today. Israel just had elections. It's very significant. They've been in much turmoil of having like, they've had like five elections in four years because the way they do their government, they put together a coalition of different parties and if that breaks up, 
they have to have new elections. And that, that's happened repeatedly. There's been a lot of instability in Israel when Netanyahu got defeated, who was the good president there, and they had a lot of liberal guys, and it's, it's not been good. Well, they had another election, and Netanyahu got elected again. He's back now, which is a good thing, if he can keep his coalition together. Because he, he had to coalesce with some very ultra-Orthodox groups on the right, like the ultra-religious groups, and the others in Israel don't like them. There's a lot of animosity between them. But, so Netanyahu is the, technical, the leader of Israel today. He would be the equivalent of like the king, even though it's not didn't operate the same. But he's looked at as the leader of Israel today. That's what they look to as their leader. But the true leader of Israel is still Jesus. He's the rightful king. He's still the king of Israel. He's not dead. He's the rightful king. And is the rightful king over the earth and over all the nations. That is who Jesus is. That's a part of his kingdom. And here's how we can apply that is that... Um, Jesus is the rightful king over all the nations. He's the rightful king over, has authority over our nation. And as we elect our temporary leaders, our leaders ought to be submissive to Jesus as the king because that's the authority God has given him. The authority of the Christ was to be the king over all the earth, over all the governments, and Jesus is king over the government. That's, why, that's part of the reason why we ought to be involved in government. We ought to try to elect godly leaders and to work to have right things happen in our elections because it all belongs to Jesus. And Jesus said, occupy till I come back. And we ought to try to be as, have as good influence as we can to have a godly influence in our government. And one day when Jesus comes back, all the governments are going to be given to him. He's going to rule over all nations. And I think what he's going to do, what he indicates he's going to do, he's going to appoint leaders like perhaps you might, they might be called governors or presidents over every nation, but they will rule under his authority and they will be obedient to him, contrary to our leaders today. Our leaders today are lying and cheating and taking bunches of money under the table, and it's a sad, sad set of affairs. They're corrupt. The leaders today are corrupt, most of them, even a lot of them that claim to be Christians. But one day, when Jesus comes back, He is going to set up His kingdom, the kingdom of God, on the earth, and it is going to <clears throat> rule in righteousness, and everything's going to be corrected. All the corruption is going to be corrected, and it's going to be fixed. That, that day is coming. And it all comes through Jesus and His kingdom. That's a part of His kingdom, is to be the earthly king over the earth. And really the reason why He can do that and is the only one worthy to do that is because of the second aspect of His person as Christ is that He is more than just a human being. He is Almighty God in a human body. And that's the point of His question. Now, We've talked about this before and we're seeing this in the book of Mark. Here's another example. Is that Jesus wasn't real open and direct about His deity when He had His earthly ministry for those three half years or so. He didn't emphasize it directly 
during that time because he knew it would get him in a lot of trouble and it would make premature his troubles to where he couldn't finish his ministry for the three years or so and it would bring the cross too quickly. He had to keep that away so he could get the, the church set up with the disciples and have time with them. And so he kept it kind of hidden. He would just imply it. He would kind of refer to it kind of around a roundabout way. He does the same thing here. He does not sit there and say, okay, you people, you need to understand the Christ is the son of David. He's also God and I'm him. He didn't, he didn't come across that directly. But what he did was he tried to kind of pose a riddle to them. He said, well, if Christ is the son of David, which he is, everybody knows that, accepts that, because that's what God told David, then why does David in Psalm 110 say, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? He said, if, if Jesus, if the Christ is the son of David, then why is David calling him Lord? And he poses that riddle and just leaves it with him. For them to go home and to think about, it. why did David call the Christ Lord? Well, if he calls him Lord, what does that mean? That must mean Christ is more than just a human being. Christ is God. And so he does it in a roundabout way, in his question, in a riddle, to lead them to the truth of his deity without stating it real directly. In fact, he didn't get real direct about it until he was arrested to be sentenced to the cross. And when the, the priest asked him, and said, we asked you, Dre, are you the Christ, the son of the living God? He wouldn't tell them at first. He kind of still would. First, he, he, they would ask him and he said, well, uh, the, I taught the people in the temple, go ask them. But they finally pressed him and then he finally said it directly. He said, it is as you say. And then he still didn't even say the words himself. He said, it is as you say. And hereafter you will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with great power and glory. And at that point they said, oh no, we've heard it. And they then took him off to Pilate once he said it himself. And then when he went to Pilate and they, he pressed him saying, are you a king? Are you the king of Jews? And he wouldn't answer it. He didn't push it directly because that would come to light eventually fully but here he poses it in this way but he does present uh indicate this truth is that he that psalm 110 refers to himself and that he is rightly called lord over david and he can only be called that if he is god in the flesh and so christ presents himself here as the king as the rightful earthly king a human being but also the king over the whole universe as God because that's who he was. He is God and man and he is the king over everything. And then later in the New Testament, we have great sections of scripture that proclaim this clearly. One of the greatest ones is Philippians chapter 2. And I want to read through this. This is a great section of scripture to read and to keep close in our mind. Are to read and memorize and to keep it close to our hearts. 
because it proclaims the deity of Jesus such, such great, in such a great way. Verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And so he's, there it says he's fully man. Then, verse 8, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's a great statement, that Jesus was fully man, and he became man so he could die for us. And he humbled himself and became obedient to the worst death there was, the death on the cross, out of his sacrifice and love for us to save us. But he was fully God. And therefore God raised him from the dead and exalted him and given him a name above every other name. Whether in heaven or in earth or under the earth, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. You bow to a king. You bow to authority. And every time we confess that, that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is the great truth over life. Jesus Christ is Lord over everything. He's the son of David, the king of Israel, but he's also the son of God. So he's the king over all of the universe. And that is who we know. It's who we serve. It's who loves us and is leading us, saves us, saves, has saved us, and is leading us, and this is who we can serve. The true king. The one who has the true power. All these earthly leaders, these politicians, they're, they're so, I mean, they're fake in so many ways. They're just a cheap imitation of what they ought to be. And they're so corrupt. And you can't count on them. You can't depend on them. Even the best of them can fail us. We need to put our, our, real, our full hope and focus and our heart on the true King, Jesus, who is perfect and knows everything and is going to return one day and He's going to take over everything. We need to set our hearts on Him. Jesus Christ is Lord. He's been given a name above every name. And one day every, tongue, every knee will bow to Him and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everybody's going to do that eventually. And it's our privilege and our blessing to do that now and to serve Him now and to, do, and to say that now, to bow our knee and to confess with our tongue that He is Lord over my life and everything and we serve Him. We need to keep that Focus in life. This is the fundamental thing in life that we need to keep this attitude and this, this truth in our minds every morning when we get up that Jesus, Christ, Jesus is the Christ and He is the Lord over the United States and over the earth and over the whole universe and we serve Him. He's sitting at the right hand of God looking down, watching everything that's happening. And He's watching what we're doing and He delights when we serve Him. Him. We need to be living to please Him. That, that was a great scripture. Brother Kenneth read it in uh, Galatians there at the beginning where Paul's saying that. He says, 
what, is my, what do I focus on in life? Do I seek to please men? Am I living for earthly men? Am I trying to impress people, trying to gain things over people? He says, no. If I seek to please men, I'm no longer seeking to please Christ. My greatest aim is to please Christ and Christ alone in my life. That was the great heart of Paul that God did in him. This is what we need. The heart that he gives here in Philippians, that Jesus Christ is Lord and that we bow with our knee, we confess with our tongue every day that Jesus Christ is Lord and we serve Him and His kingdom. That is the greatest reality in life. Everything else is just a temporary process of events that are happening. Whether it's the political situation in our nation, situations in our family, everything that's going on in life, problems we deal with, in our life, sickness, difficulty, all of it is under His authority and it's all temporary process of events in our time here on the earth as we lead to the time when we will have Jesus come back and reign over everything. This is the big perspective, the big picture in life. That He's Lord over everything. All the heavens, everything, He's Lord over it. The world's becoming fascinated, and they try to, they've done this from the ancient time, they try to come up with all these false gods, they're supposed to be powerful, Zeus, Jupiter, they say, oh, they have this power, he has this power, he can do this, oh, Mercury, he can run really, really fast. And the world, the ancient Greeks came up with all that because the human heart's trying to seek out power. And gravitates toward that. But that's all was just figment of their imagination. Of some ancient Greek writer. In our modern time, we try to, people try to do that. With the superheroes. And um, that this person can do this. Has, this guy has this power. This, this, has, this one has this power. And they can do this. They can do that. First they put it in comic books. And people would read those over. Now they're putting them in movies. And there's... Movies coming out over and over, and there's one that just came out I just heard about, and there's some other powers. There's the other characters they come up with, and they're all presented very impressively on the screen. Oh, they got this great power. Oh, he can do this, he can do that. And it's all just made up stuff. It's all trying to seek, really, to try to be what Jesus is. It's trying to be powerful, to be a powerful ruler, a powerful king that has the answers, that has the power over things. But they're all just cheap imitations. Jesus, though, is the real one. He really is the power of the universe. He really can do, he can fly, he can create anything, he can make a whole planet disappear if he wants it to, he can do anything he wants to. He has all power. He is a real superhero. But in the greatest sense, the top. The Son of God. And the world's seeking all of these cheap imitations who aren't even real, and they're ignoring and rejecting the one real that is. That's the foolishness of the world. But Jesus is real. He is the Christ. He was born as the Son of David. And He was the Son of God. And He is going to come back at a time in the future to remove all rebellion against Him, and He's going to rule as the King over the earth. That's really going to happen. And the 
great privilege and a wise thing to do is for us to be in His kingdom now. Don't be like that scribe who was close, but he hadn't come there yet. And Jesus had to say, oh, you aren't far. You got close. And we need to be in the kingdom by repenting and believing on Jesus. And then we need to serve Him and let Him be the top priority in our life. That His kingdom means He's number one. We love Him with all of our heart, all our soul, all our strength, and he, no one else is more important than Him. And that means we give everything to Him. We give a, a day of the week to Him. We give this day, the first day of the week to Him. And we don't put other things above it. We don't put work above it. We don't put doing other things. We put Him above everything on this day. In worship, that's what the church does. That's, that's, that's what our meeting is. That we give Him this day to come gather in His name and say Jesus is Lord. He's Lord over all our life. He gave us the seven days of the week. We give Him one in worship as His people. That's what the church is. That's His group on the earth. We are, we are a manifestation that Jesus is Lord in our lives as we meet week after week. And Jesus will, will reward that in the future of those that served Him when He comes. But He's Lord over all, over the whole universe. He rules over it all. And the greatest thing we can do is to bow our knee every day and to confess with our tongue that Jesus is Lord and live our lives thinking about Him and obeying Him. That is what Jesus was trying to communicate to these people. And some of them got it, and some of them didn't. And today, some people get that, some people don't. And Jesus says when He comes, He's going to have a judgment. He's going to separate everybody. Sheep from the goats, lost from the saved. Those that got it, those that didn't. And then they'll be regretting that forever. Those that did not, bow their knee, confess with their tongue, and give their heart to Jesus, they will lose forever. But Jesus is still king. He will reign over the earth. And He'll reign over His kingdom. His kingdom will be populated by everyone who was saved and served Him. And He'll reward them how they served Him. And they will be given rewards in His kingdom. Jesus is the king. The kingdom is the main thing in life. And we are to be serving Him in it and giving our energy and our heart and our time uh, and our obedience to Him as, as our King. So as we are thinking to be good citizens in our country, that's important. Ultimately, the most important thing is we are serving Jesus as our King. And we are seeking to be good citizens of His kingdom, the kingdom of God. And that's the great reality of life. All right, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your kingdom, for your coming to save us and to reign over us for all that you are. You you are so great. You know everything. You can do anything that you want to do. And you are so loving and merciful. And you do everything perfectly. And it's an honor to serve you. Help us to to be obedient and faithful to You as our King. That we'll keep our hearts close to You in 
bowing our knee and confessing with our tongue that you are Lord and we will serve you. And help us to share that with others so others can, can have a chance to turn and be saved for they are in danger of being lost forever. Uh, help us, Lord, to see, to love others more than ourselves, as your kingdom does, and that we will seek to do what is best for others before it is too late as you carry out your great works on the earth and bring everything to a conclusion. Help us to serve you, Lord Jesus, as our King, for you are worthy. All your creations should serve you because we're here because of your power. Help us to give you what you deserve in all of our love and obedience. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.